Do you want to become a better songwriter? Well, we created a very simple 10-minute songwriter personality test, and it's going to help you better understand who you are as a writer, and it's going to help you in the writer's room when you're writing with other writers, because you're going to be able to identify what kind of writer they are, maybe even have them take the songwriter personality test. If you're curious and you want to take the songwriter personality test today, just visit songwriterpersonalitytest.com or go to the link on the writingworship.co website. Welcome to the Brave Podcast. We exist to answer the call to be what you need in the lives of kingdom-minded songwriters. We want to make a generational difference in the culture of the music industry by creating a place of belonging, learning, and launching. Hey, Brave Podcast listeners. This is Chrissy's husband, Eric Nordoff. I wanted to come on and share a special episode of the Brave Podcast, Awakening Dreams, Purpose, and Songs. And I want to talk a little bit about how you can promote your songs today. I recently hosted a webinar with my friend Dave Taylor. And Dave is a music streaming expert. In other words, he has worked for years with Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora, YouTube, Amazon, and the representatives of those companies to promote music, specifically Christian music, primarily with Integrity Music. He's been, he has been working with them initially in promotions, operations, radio promotions, Then he moved into music streaming and oversaw the entire music streaming world for the last several years. And he's recently stepped out on his own. And right as he stepped out on his own, he and I started talking about his expertise in the streaming world. And we started to dream about a curriculum, a course that we could create called now, which is now called the Music Streaming Course. You can find out all about it at musicstreamingcourse.com. We recently did a webinar promoting and launching the course. We gave a lot of great, valuable information, and we had about 180 registrants to it. So we had a lot of interest in this. I know this is something that is of high interest to anyone who is writing and recording music. How do I get my music on Spotify? How do I promote my music on the various different streaming services? How do I pitch them? How do I get on playlists? All of that stuff is covered in the music streaming course. And a lot of the strategies are talked about in this webinar. I think you'll find it super valuable. I hope you won't mind the Maybe the poor audio quality on my end. Dave is talking on his computer. I'm talking on my computer, but we're kind of in a room. So it's not quite the level of this microphone that you have to deal with. But I think you'll find it really, really valuable if you are releasing and recording and promoting your own music online in any way to anyone who would want to listen to it on these various platforms. So here it is, the webinar with Dave Taylor and you can find out all the information. There's more information covered. We talk about a special discount in this webinar. 
So listen for that. That's going to be good for a little bit of time. We've extended that for just a little bit into August. So make sure you take advantage of that if you'd like to get the course, but it's valuable at full price. I promise you musicstreamingcourse.com. Oh, and one more thing. This webinar goes pretty long. We did a lot of Q&A. We had a lot of Q&A time. So if you don't want to listen to it, that's fine. Just get as much information as you can. If you've gotten all your questions answered, great. You can just finish it early. But this one goes about an hour and a half. So don't feel like you have to listen to the whole thing. Okay, enough of me talking. Here it is, my conversation for the Writing Worship Community with Dave Taylor talking about musicstreamingcourse.com. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to today's webinar all about music streaming. This is going to be super fun. I'm your host, Eric Nordoff, and I'll introduce Dave in just a minute or so. I've got my Writing Worship t-shirt on. Uh, this is actually, uh, it says I'm content. So if you've taken the songwriter personality test, you know what that means. It means that uh, my personality, actually, uh, my personality, my primary personality is Melody. But a, a guy saying melody is there, it, I'm melody, it doesn't always make sense. So I like content. That's actually my wife's strength, but I'm wearing it anyway because I like the shirt. Uh, but welcome in to this webinar. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully we'll get all of your questions answered. Uh, please let us know in the chat where you're from. Uh, it'd be really fun to see where you're from, where you're watching from live. We have uh, we have 170 registrants. We have uh, people starting to pour in now and come into the webinar. I see Lancaster. Um, we got people from Michigan, Lipscomb, uh, Nashville, Tennessee, Rhode Island. Good to see you here. Uh, that's really awesome. Mac, good to see you from South Carolina, San Antonio, Simon from the UK, uh, Iowa, South Jersey. I was just in Jersey, Mark. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Manassas, Virginia, good old New Jersey, another New Jersey. We've got a lot of neat New Jersey, New York City. Uh, so good to good to have you guys on here. South Dakota, grateful Chattanooga, good stuff. Yeah, let us know in the chat where you're from. Hey, Lottie, good to see you. Elaine from Qatar, this is awesome. Gulf Shores, I wish I was in Gulf Shores right now. All right, good to see where everybody's from. So um, the way this is going to work today is Dave's going to talk and teach. And I'm going to be behind the scenes checking your, your questions and queuing those up for Dave as we get into the Q&A time. And I'll be, uh, as we switch slides, I'll probably ask questions here and there of Dave on behalf on your behalf. So feel free to ask your questions in the Q&A area. That's the best place to be and the best place to ask your questions. Don't use the chat for that. Uh, that would be super helpful. Um, I just have a couple of little announcements here as we get started. I'm going to share uh, my screen again and uh, just make a couple of, uh, of comments and announcements. So today's webinar is called, uh, well, it's, it's, it, we're going to be talking today because today we're releasing our music streaming course, uh, our music streaming course uh, it's called Music Streaming and Promotion for Artists with the venerable Dave Taylor. Uh, if you want to see a preview of that, you can go to musicstreamingcourse.com. But you'll want to stay until the end 
because I'm going to be sharing a 25% discount code. Again, this is a free webinar. We're offering a lot of value in this one, uh, in this webinar. But if you want the broader and the greater um, information, Dave and I have worked really, I mean, I, I'm kind of propping myself up a little bit, but we've worked really hard on this webinar, I mean, on the webinar and on the course to really make this as great as possible and full of uh, soup to nuts, start to finish, uh, how to, as an independent artist, maximize your streaming opportunities and promoting yourself in today's, in 2021, today's culture and today's environment. Um, gone are the days of compact discs being sold in stores, basically. Uh, people aren't downloading, everyone is streaming now. And that's really where it's at. And so Dave's gonna give us a lot of that information. So without further ado, why don't I introduce Dave Taylor. Dave, welcome. Dave has been part of uh, the music industry for more than 10 years. He uh, primarily has worked in integrity in the area of radio promotions and handled all of their streaming uh, over those 10 years. He actually started out in Colorado, moved here to Nashville, and has become a, a great friend of mine. Dave, take it away, my friend. Yeah, thanks so much, Eric. Um, I appreciate you having me here today, and um, I appreciate the the entire community, um, you know, getting on here to to see what what this is all about. And I think, you know, if if you're on here, you're an artist, you're a songwriter. Um, good for you because this this shows that you care enough to maybe uh, you know learn a little bit more than than what's out there. I mean, just to give you a, a little bit of background, a little bit more than what Eric um, shared already was. Uh, you know, I, I spent 10 years at a label and the last three years specifically, I focused on these streaming platforms. Um, I came from radio promotions and it, it wasn't too different, but um, but it's a big world out there uh, with streaming. It's, it's complicated. Um, it's new. It's always changing. And so I, I think to to um, to stay on top of it in terms of what's happening in that world is a full time gig. Um, and I'm just, I'm really happy to, to share and to teach today because, um, you know, there's, I, I, I think if you were to put like, you know, a list of my favorite things to do, teaching is way up there. And so if I have knowledge that can actually help a number of other people who might not have access to that knowledge, um, you know, that, that sharing is, is really uh, what brings me a lot of joy. So my pleasure really to be here and, and thanks. And today we're actually going to talk, you know, we have the whole online course uh, that, is, that is now available. And of course, Eric's going to give you the, the coupon code at the end. The online course covers everything. So if you know nothing about the streaming world, um, you're an artist, you're a songwriter, and you're like, you know, Spotify scares me, um, YouTube makes me nervous, and, and Apple Music makes me tremble. I, I don't know. Um, it, this is the course for you because it will take you from, uh, you know, it's, it's designed to take somebody from knowing nothing to knowing everything that, that I know and, and all these things that Eric knows and other people within the industry, people that work at labels. Um, so, again, just happy to share all this. Today, we're actually going to be focusing on one specific topic. Uh, which we call song tips. Um, you know, it, my little disclaimer up front here is I am not a songwriter. Um, nobody wants me writing any of their songs, I, I promise. Um, so so please don't, uh, as I'm talking today, as I'm teaching, um, uh, please don't look at me as the authority on songwriting. What I do know is this, um, with the streaming platforms, and this was kind of how it was in radio as well, there are certain things that you can do to a song 
uh, certain guidelines, certain boundaries that you can give it, um, certain features that you can give it that will that will increase your chances to get on streaming platforms, um, to to perhaps get on an editorial playlist where you can be exposed to to tens of thousands of of potential uh, new fans. So, not a songwriter, but all this information I'm going to share with you today about your song, I hope that it enhances your songwriting ability. And so when you're writing, you're keeping these things in mind uh, because I think they really, uh, they really will help. Um, I'm going to give just a little bit of background. I'm going to kind of set, set the foundation here because I think when I go into the song tips, people are going to be like, well, who's, who's judging my song anyhow? You know, how do, when I'm, when I'm submitting a song through my distributor, um, who's, who's hearing it at Spotify? Who's hearing it at Apple Music? Who's hearing it um, at Amazon or Pandora? So just to give you a little bit of background, set the foundation here, um, each one of these DSPs or, or these streaming platforms has an editor. Um, and they might have two editors, just depending on the, the genre. Um, but at least within the Christian music space, they, they all have at least one editor. And that editor's job is to listen to song submissions that come to them uh, on, on any given week. So these are songs that are coming up through uh, DistroKid or CD Baby, whatever distributor you use. They're being sent to the editor and the editor is listening through all of these songs. Um, so they might have 100 songs a week. They might have 150. They might have 200 busy weeks. They might have 250 songs. My numbers could be way off. I could be way low on that. But they are uh, bombarded with, with songs from, from artists and, and songwriters um, all over the globe who are, are hoping to get an opportunity to be placed on one of their um, featured or prominent playlists or what you might uh, hear me refer to as an editorial playlist. So, for example, with Spotify, within the Christian genre, they have editorial playlists that are designed, curated, and run, managed by the Spotify editor. So they decide what goes on the playlist and what doesn't go on the playlist. Uh, these editorial playlists are are always featured. They're always out front, um, and they get uh, so many more streams than than your average user playlist. So it's really important to kind of impress the editor at the front end of this uh, with the hope of of getting placed on one of these editorial playlists, where again your song is going to be exposed to to many many uh, potential fans. So uh, I wanted to at least kind of set that up as the context for the discussion, because I will be talking through like, what are the things that you can do with your song or what are the things you should make sure your song has to increase its chances? Well, when I say that, it's, it's all to hopefully impress, catch the attention of these editors at these different platforms. So, all right, um, set the stage there a little bit. My first rule, um, if we'll call it rule guideline, um, I, I, I didn't invent this phrase, but I heard it once and I loved it so much. I heard maybe it was a military phrase. I don't know. Uh, but it's be brief, be brilliant, be gone. Um, I know that last part sounds a little harsh, but um, so, so what I mean by be brief, be brilliant, be gone is try to keep your song under five minutes, ideally closer to four minutes. And, and actually, as I'm kind of watching and surveying the streaming market these days, I'm seeing songs around the three minute mark. Um, the reason for that is because just like a, a radio station might, these editorial playlists have to fit so many songs in a certain space, right? They, they have limited capacity. So when your song is seven, eight, nine, ten 10 minutes long, um, they're looking at a 10 minute song as like, wow, well, that would actually kind of take up the space of, of two songs uh, instead of just one. So in, in fact, when I was working at, um, at a label, 
we had a, a very big worship song um, that I think many people have probably heard. It's called Waymaker. Um, and we, you know, we put out the original version from, from Leland, uh, which did very, very well. Then we had some other artists that also wanted to record and release that song. And, and there were some prominent artists, but one of the artists um, had a 10, vi- excuse me, a 10 minute version of Waymaker. Um, so it was, it was Waymaker. And then there was a lot of spontaneous worship and some prayer and, and things like that within the recording of the song. Well, when I took this to the editors, um, at the various DSPs, they said, there's no way we're going to put this song anywhere. Um, 10 minutes is too long. Um, it's it's not really going to hold the attention. Um, and that's space that another song could have on there as well. So even a big song like Waymaker, if it's 10 minutes long, it's it's not going to make it. So I, 10 minutes is exaggerating. I, I know that there's a lot of people that probably wouldn't be putting out a 10-minute song. But, you know, if you kind of think to yourself, the shorter, the better. Um, you know, I, I think you'll be okay. Three, four, five minutes, I think is is ideal. I think that four minute spot is 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 the the perfect uh, time. But again, you can go a little short, a little longer than that. Um, another reason why they don't want to place long songs is because long songs lead to what we call skips and strays, and that's not good for the playlist metrics. Um, skips are when somebody's listening to a song and before the song finishes, they skip on to the next song. And, and if you're an editor, you look at that and you go, oh, that's kind of a negative mark against the song is when people skip it. Um, strays are when they stray from the playlist entirely. So, you know, the song is too long. It's kind of going on. You've, you've kind of heard six, seven minutes of it already. And you're like, you know what? Let me go check out something else. So editors are judged by their playlist performance. Um, so when you have longer songs on there, there are skips and strays that are going to happen uh, more frequently. Um, you know, same thing with long pauses. Um, soft extended instrumental sections, those can also lead to skips and, and non-completions. Um, so be mindful of that as well. If you have a song that has like a little break in it, um, you know, there's five seconds of silence, that's that's not going to be good, um, it, at least not for the streaming platform. It may be a great song to to play live, um, but at least in terms of the, the, the streaming uh, editors, they're going to look at that as kind of like a, eh, that's a spot where people are going to skip it thinking that the song is over. Same thing with uh, longer, softer uh, instrumental sections. Um, so again, editors are judged by the playlist engagement. So, um, so you know, keep the, sh- the song short, keep it concise, um, and then try not to do any long pauses or long extended soft instrumental sections either. Uh, those will keep the skips down. And then when your song actually do make, your song does make the playlist, um, your metrics will be pretty good on it. You won't see as many skips and non-completions on there. So... And, you know, I, yeah, I just have to pause for a second and say, I'm sorry if I'm going really, really fast. There's just a lot of content to cover. So I, I hope that everybody goes back and watches this if they don't catch some of these things the first time through. But I apologize. Eric, you know, is 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 making me keep it short. If it was up to me, this would be a three hour session. So blame Eric. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric yeah. <laughs> blame Eric is usually my my, my go to there. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, next Can, slide. Before yeah, you yeah, sure. Yeah, that slide, I just I just had one person say something. Glenn asked, sure. "I've been hearing the word curator. I'm assuming the editor is AKA curator. Is that what you're when you hear when you say the word curator, or is curator the artist? No, the curator of a playlist is is the editor. Um, or if if you're on Spotify and you have your own playlist that that you're you know managing, you're you are curating it. You are deciding." 
what songs are on there, what songs are not on there, and what order the songs should play. So yeah, that's all part of when you hear me say curating or a curator, uh, at least for the purposes today, I'm talking about the the editors at these um, at these uh, streaming platforms. Good stuff. All right, keep going. All right. Next point: capture the listener early. Um, and and this is something that um, I learned in radio, and it's true in streaming as well. Uh, what you want to do is you want to aim to make your song compelling within the first thirty seconds. Um, so and and. And here's, here's why. We talked about the editors and how many songs they're going through. Um, that first impression is really going to come from those first 30 seconds, right? Did it, did it wow them? Did it capture them? Um, did it put them to sleep? Because the editor is trying to look at this and listen to it the same way that, that your average consumer is going to be listening to the music, right? So if, and I'm, I'm guilty of this as well, but sometimes if I'm kind of just like looking for a song, like the right song at the right time, I'm looking for something new, if there's a really long, soft, uh, faded in intro, like I get a little impatient, you know, and I might skip the song. I might not give it, give it a chance. So what you want to do is you want to, you want to make your song compelling within the first 30 seconds. If it's a really long intro, just shorten the intro, right? It doesn't have to be upbeat or poppy. It just has to be distinct and appealing, right? Some people think, Oh, if I need to capture them in the first 30 seconds, I need to have something really, really exciting and loud and everything. No, it doesn't need to be that way at all. Um, you know, a catchy opening instrumental hook or an interesting first line um, can go an awful long way. Um, I know when I think about a lot of my favorite songs, and I think if you go through your your catalog of favorite songs, you'll probably uh, find this to be true in, in your life as well, is oftentimes I know the chorus and I definitely know the first line or two of a song, right? That first line or two can, can like really get, and even if I don't know the rest of the lyrics, it's okay. I'll just sing the choruses only. And um, I shouldn't be singing at all, but I still sing the choruses. And, but those first, those first one or two lines is really, really important. Um, Or again, instrumental hook, you know, if it's a memorable hook on the guitar or on the keys, like something like that, that's just going to be, it's just kind of going to stick to somebody's ear and it's going to give them something to go like, okay, maybe I should listen beyond the, this first 30 seconds, right? Just make it compelling. Um, it's just very important that your first 30 seconds are, are strong and, and catching. So uh, next point, uh, Eric, anything to ask about that? Are we good to keep? Uh, keep no, you're good to move on. I don't have awesome. any questions related. To okay. This is where this is where I start to make um, songwriters mad. So uh, please direct all complaints to Eric, whatever your email address is. D- direct all complaints there. Um, he, he will be happy to respond in a timely manner. But uh, again, this is I'm not trying to to upset anybody at all. But I'm just trying to to give a picture of of what reality is on the ground when it comes to editors. You know, it's um, you guys dump a lot of your heart and your soul into your music. Um, and that's, that's awesome. But just know that there's a lot of people out there that don't know you, they don't know you personally, they don't know your life story. All they know is your music. And so the music is what's really going to matter to them. Um, so when I say release songs for people, uh, who don't know your music and make it your goal to serve them, I think, um, as, as worship leaders, as worship songwriters, as artists, um, you know, I, I imagine most of you feel like you were given this gift so that you could serve others with it. Something to keep in mind when you're writing songs, um, who are you writing it for, right? Um, sometimes as, as artists, we can get trapped in this. I'm kind of doing something because it makes me feel good. But I think you should always keep in mind 
um, when I'm right, when you're writing a song, like who am I serving with this song? Right. Am I, am I serving myself, uh, my friend group, my family, you know, because they really like it when I play this song live, or are you serving the, the listener out there who hasn't heard your song yet? Right. Um, you know, the people who know you and, and your music, uh, likely already love you and your music, right? There's, there's nobody to impress there, but they will only be a tiny fraction of your total streams. Uh, most of your streams are going to come from complete strangers who don't know you. Um, so again, as you write and record, check yourself frequently and ask yourself who the audience is in your head. Uh, is it your family? Is it your friends? Is it other songwriters and artists? Is it you? You know, if, if not, if it is, if you say, yeah, that's probably my audience. Well, take a step back and think there's a, a really big world out there of people who, who perhaps need to hear a song that, that serves them, that helps them worship, that helps them um, engage with God. Um, so again, write with the broader audience in mind and serve your listeners. Um, and I, you know, I, I wanted to, I feel like this is an important enough line that, um, you know, I, I included in the slide, but if you believe you were given a gift, do you believe that gift giving stops there? Um, you know, don't be fixated on what you want, uh, so much on what you want that you forget, uh, who you're serving. So keep the, keep the general listener in mind, keep the stranger in mind. Right. Okay. Uh, that. that's good. Uh, Dave, making... I, don't, I don't have any uh, questions related to that, this specific slide, but I do want to just say, yeah, uh, when you're writing and you're recording, um, it, it, there's a sort of a principle also when you're creating any kind of content, if you're a blogger or if you're somebody who's who's in the podcasting space, um, you always want to be thinking, uh, they call it a, they have a technical name for it, who is your avatar, so to speak, who's this right. sort yeah. of person that that you want to make the greatest impact on. And it's it's important to give that some thought and do your best to Make sure that, you know, if it's someone in church or a congregation that you, a worship leader that leads a congregation, would this song, is this for them? Is this for their congregation? Would this be a song that could be sung in their church, for example? And and you right. want to be thinking that way anyway, if you'd like to uh, broaden and make a greater impact with your music. Yeah, that's that's true. And, and even, even at the, we'll call it the professional level, when I was working at a label, um, you know, we did encounter artists that that oftentimes wrote to um, impress other artists. Um, you know, it happens a lot when you're in the Nashville bubble. You know, it's like your your, you know, all of your friends are also songwriters and artists, and so you're always trying to kind of out art them. You know, it's it's this uh, oh, I want to write something that impresses this community, this group. But again, that community, that group is going to be such a small fraction of your total streams. You know, those those who really find success are writing for the broader audience. Right. Uh, but I, I like that, uh, Eric, the, the whole thing about the avatar in your mind. Who is that? Right. right. If, if, if that avatar is just other songwriters or your family or your best friend, um, broaden it, try and broaden it out a little bit. So, yeah. Good. All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, good. And I just want to just say to everyone watching, ask your questions in the Q&A. We'll be looking for questions related to what we're talking about. What don't worry, I will answer. We will get to answer every single one of these uh, at the end. We'll have plenty of time for a Q and A as well. And uh, stay tuned. We're gonna we're launching the uh, music streaming and promotion for artists course. We'll have all the details coming up, including a discount code. So I just wanted to let everybody know that there's some really good stuff coming um, that will help. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good, good reminder, Eric, is that, you know, as, as I'm going through this, there might be a lot of things where you're like, I feel like I'm missing some context on this or on this, or I have more questions about this. 
Um, and I have a feeling when we get to the Q&A, we're going to discover this too, but there's probably a lot of questions that will be answered um, in the full online course. This is just one of the six sessions that we did. So um, good point. Um, all right. So choose the songs you'd like to release carefully. Um, and when I say choose the songs you'd like to release carefully, you, you know, I think as a songwriter, you, you might have uh, three, four or five songs. And you're not sure, like, is this worth recording? Is this worth releasing? Um, these are some points to kind of help you determine, should I release this song or not? Should I even bother recording it and spending the money on it or not? Um, so I'll, I'll give these pointers here. Try to disregard how you feel about your song and how you were feeling when you wrote it, right? Sometimes, uh, and you'll, you'll hear me refer to songs as, as your baby, right? As a songwriter, when you write a song, that feels like your baby. This is something you created, something that feels very personal and precious to you. So one thing you kind of have to do when you're deciding what song to release is you, you kind of have to remove yourself emotionally from that song, right? Because you might've had a really good experience writing it. You might've been in a really terrific place and um, an incredibly inspiring environment. Just know that your audience is not going to have that same benefit of, of seeing the song through your eyes, right? They are, again, they just, they hit play on Spotify or on Apple music and they're just hearing a song and they have no idea what the background is, what the song story is, who you wrote it with or anything like that. So try and disregard how you feel about the song. Um, seek honest, objective feedback uh, from those you trust, uh, but not your family or your close friends, right? Your family and your close friends, they're going to tell you what you want to hear. But what you're going to want is the information that you need to hear. Um, so seek that objective feedback. Maybe find uh, that acquaintance in your life who is known to just say whatever they're thinking um, without, without a filter. Um, that is, that is the person you probably want to play your song for. Uh, if yeah. So, um, others will decide, and this kind of goes back to be compelling within the first 30 seconds, but others will decide in 30 seconds or not, uh, whether or not your song is worth spending time listening to. Uh, and again, not fair, but it's true. You're going to have about 30 seconds there. Um, put yourself in their shoes. If this is the first time you heard your song, would you add it to your playlist? Would you listen beyond 30 seconds or, or would you maybe skip it? So be really, really honest with yourself and choose your songs uh, carefully. All right. Um, next, be willing to change. Um, I think this is an important thing. I think that a lot of... One, one, um, one oh, sorry. comment here, Dave. Sorry, yeah. blame Eric for interrupting. Um <laughs> Uh, Hayes, Hayes has a line said, uh, some of my babies are not so cute in the chat. I thought that was funny. Um, and my family, Chidia says, my family can be brutal with feedback. Oh, so, there you go. A good, if you have that kind of family, then great. <laughs> right, right, uh, right. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you might think of it as a, as a bother sometimes, but that's kind of a blessing when you have a family that is willing to be straight up and honest with you. And, and you know, sometimes I know uh, with my kids, right? You know, I say things to my kids, I give them honest feedback that I would never give in front of other people and I would never say to other people about my kids. But sometimes, yeah, home is the safe harbor where you can have really honest, real conversations like, hey, this song's not so good. <laughs> so, right. so yeah, yeah, if you have that family, Chidia, good to hear, good to uh, hear from you. By the way, Chidia, so I'm glad yeah. you're glad you're here. Chidia um, is in the course. He made the course, and we we go over some of his. He did. He did. Life. He got a, he got a featured role in the course. It was amazing. And he did a great job. 
for being so, a, a walk-on, right? Uh, there was an anonymous attendee that said this, in the writing worship community, we learn about, and I'll answer this, we learn about different purposes of songs and associated audiences with those songs. We're also advised not to reach out to the world when starting out on writing songs. In light of the advice here on considering your audience, can you speak for a moment on how to reconcile that? Um, yeah, I, and this is, I, I mentioned this in the chat just a second, a few seconds ago, but we believe every song has a purpose. Uh, it, it may just be for you. It could be for, for God alone, you know, a worship song, just you and him. Uh, it could be for another person. You might just want to send it to another person to bless them. But it also could could be for broader. Uh, you might feel like, wow, you know, the other person might give you feedback. I, I really would love to hear this song in our church, or I'd love to hear, um, I think this song has a, a greater purpose. And and as you get feedback, sometimes that's, that's the time. If you're getting feedback from people like, I, I wish you would record this song and release it, um, that's when, and so we're talking about streaming here. We're talking about releasing it to a broader audience after you've maybe sent it to a friend or after you've had this time with God and, and you're sensing that this is the song that really needs to be broader, released broader and recorded. And you, you know, it, it takes a lot of investment in production and all of that. We yeah. talk about that in the course, we talk about production quality and, and all of that. And so keep in mind that not all songs are meant to be streamed. Not all songs are meant to be released uh, to the world via these DSP platforms. So hopefully that Very good point. distinction can be made here so that people understand um, the difference of what we're talking about if you're in the writing worship community as a songwriter, purely about the songs. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully that's helpful. That, yeah, that's, that's a great point. Right. Sometimes it's it all depends on the purpose that you have for the song. But, you know, sometimes you may be given a song just to share with your local church. Um, and that's great. But, you know, like Eric said, this is really designed for when, when you feel like, wow, I think a broader audience should hear this or needs to hear this. Um, it's a very expensive venture. Right. You know, to to record, to produce, especially if you're doing it right. Um, so this is one of those things that, you know, when in doubt, you know, check it against these things, especially if, if you're at a point where you're like, you know, I'd, I'd like to make a, a little bit of money off of, of what I'm doing. You know, I'd like to uh, maybe even make a, a, a living wage off of off of writing and, and performing music, because that's what I feel like I was called to do. So so this is good to, to check yourself, especially, you know, if, if you if you're expecting or if you're really wanting to have. Um, a, a lot of success in terms of the numbers on streaming platforms. It's specifically designed for that, not necessarily for that song that, uh, again, maybe you just recorded for your church. Maybe you just recorded it for a friend or whatever. You know, that's a different situation. Mm -hmm. All right, let's so, go on to the next slide. Yeah. All right. Uh, along the same theme, be willing to change, right? Uh, listeners aren't going to like 100% of your songs, uh, maybe not even 50% of your songs, and sometimes 0% of your songs, right? Uh, I have some favorite bands out there. And even my most favorite band from the last 10 years, I would say, you know, I like not even 50% of their songs, right? So, I mean, that just kind of, that's that's the case. There's very few times that you're going to like every single song that an artist records. So, so don't be under this impression of like, oh, I have a song and it didn't work, or I have a song and nobody liked it, whatever. Keep going. Don't, don't give up. Not everybody's going to like all of your songs. If one doesn't work, maybe the next one will. So don't be afraid to try something new and go in a different direction. Um, 
I've had, um, and, and we'll talk about the the the, the song, uh, the song being the baby. We're going to come back to that analogy a little bit here, but but don't be afraid to try something new or go in a different direction if what you're doing is not really working, right? And so, with this, I say um, you don't necessarily have to change the style or change the genre or change who you are, but sometimes it's as simple as okay, I've been writing songs by myself and nothing seems to be working. Well. Maybe find a co-writer, maybe find two co-writers, um, find five co-writers, whatever it takes, but change up what you're doing, right? If the same formula is not bringing you uh, any success in that particular area, you can't be afraid to mix it up a little bit, right? Um, again, a producer, if you're not working with a producer, maybe try working with a producer. Uh, if you're already working with a producer, maybe try a different producer um, or different co-writers. So, you know, sometimes we just have to go, all right, we have to know when enough is enough and say, yeah, what I'm doing is not working. So if I want different results, I'm going to have to take different actions. So change it up a little bit um, and then mix it up until you find the sound um, and your sound and your audience. Um, you know, a little change could even be like, yeah, I've been releasing a lot of just acoustic folk kind of songs. Um, so maybe I need to try with a full band, you know, bring some more body and life into the song with, with some backing vocalists or some backing instrumentation. Um, don't, don't get stuck in a rut where you're just doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Um, and again, going back to the, the, you know, be vulnerable, seek honest, objective feedback. Um, you know, coming from an editor's point of view, um, an editor might hear a song of yours and that particular song might not connect with the editor. But maybe if you change it up a little bit, right? Maybe if you try a, a different song that has a different flavor to it, maybe it's upbeat instead of slow, or maybe it's slow instead of upbeat. You never know what's going to capture that editor's ear. So, you know, I, I, I think we've used the analogy before of casting your fishing net in different places in the pond, right? So if you just keep casting your net in the same spot all the time and you're not getting any fish, well, you should probably take the boat over to the other side of the lake or at least to a different part of the lake. And, and so, yeah, so I would just encourage everybody who feels like, yeah, I'm doing things and nothing's working. Keep changing it up until you find the chemistry there that works well and, and really connects with other people. So, all right. And then I think more on this, we talk a lot about this in one of the other sessions on the online course. Uh, we talk about the single strategy. So it, this this technique of changing it up really works well with the single strategy. So if, if you happen to get the online course, you'll get a whole session on why the single strategy works. And, and this is one of the benefits of it is because you can change it up and kind of, you know, trial trial and, and error a number of things, experiment with different sounds and with different songs till you find the audience uh, that really connects with your music. So, yeah. Any any comments about that particular section? It wouldn't pop up for me on Zoom. No, I switched oh, to okay. the other slide. Um, I don't have any specific um, questions. I do have two here. Um, you mentioned singles. So uh, Joey asked, do EPs and albums get more streams or do singles get more streams? Well, that's a really broad question. We might want to hold that off until the Q&A time. Okay. And the um, other yeah, I think that is, might be, sorry, remind me of that one, Eric, and we'll we'll, yeah. we'll dive in on that a little bit. I kept it here. Is it possible to know who the editors are before submitting your songs? The editor is <laughs> a fan of that type of music. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, very, very good question. And the answer is probably no. If you call around or if you ask around, I mean, within the industry, you can find out the names, but one thing that the platforms do very well is they protect the editors. 
Um, the editors are, you know, they want them listening to music and making decisions based on the music. Um, what they don't want are the editors being invited to lunches and coffees and being hit up with text messages and emails saying, Hey, did you hear my song? Do you like my song? I mean, that would be, that would be a complete mess, right? If you're the editor, because it's not just you who wants them to, to position, uh, a song on one of their playlists. It's over a hundred different people a week. Right. So, um, so no, the editors are, are well-guarded secrets. You're not going to find that publicly. Um, again, if you were in the industry, you find out the names, but still, even at that working at a label, I was discouraged from ever reaching out directly to the editor. Uh, we had label reps and we had other reps that we dealt with, but, but, uh, but yeah, the editor was kind of, um, yeah, don't, don't, don't communicate with them. They've got a job to do. Uh, okay, well, let's move on to this slide here, but I just want to let everybody who's watching and listening know that we've got all your questions. We see all the questions in the Q&A. If I didn't get to them, we'll have plenty of time at the end for the Q&A time. Yep, sure. And I'm going to speed through these last few slides just to make sure that we have enough time to, to answer all the questions. Okay. Um, test your song and don't be afraid to make a hard decision. Uh, this is something I learned while working in radio promotion. So A&R or, uh, you know, the, the, the people that are kind of in, in charge of developing songs and artists at a label, um, they would come to me with a song and they would say, hey, what do you think about this for radio? Well, I had on Spotify a top 10 radio playlist. Um, so what I would do is I would look at the radio charts and I would take the top 10 songs from radio and I would put them in a Spotify playlist. Well, when I was given a new song, I would take that song and I would put it in the middle of my playlist and I would hit random. So I would just be sitting at my desk and I would be listening through songs and I'm hearing all these top 10 radio songs. And then all of a sudden there's the song that I was given um, to, to, to consider to take to radio. Um, that, that's a very telling thing, right? You, when you hear a song in isolation, oftentimes it sounds like, wow, oh, this sounds amazing. This is great. This is fantastic. But when you line it up against the competition, so to speak, or the other songs that are going to be within the playlist or the other songs that, that were at a, a level that the editor thought were deserving of a position on a playlist, you know, sometimes that, that can be, that can be revealing, right? All of a sudden you hear the song, you're like, ah, you know, it was when, when the song came on, it was really kind of off-putting. It took me out of whatever zone I was in here. Um, or, you know, sometimes the greatest thing was when you didn't notice and that, that the song was even playing, that meant, wow, it blended in well. It was just as good as all these other songs that are in the top 10 at radio. Do the same thing with your songs. Um, when, you, when you have one of your songs, you know, play some other songs, get your mind in that context, play some very successful songs, uh, you know, whether they're uh, in, in, in your space, of course, whether it's worship or a different genre, play some other really top songs in that genre right now and play yours next to that, uh, those songs. I, I think you'll be able to tell right away, like, wow, yeah, it really holds its ground with these other ones. Or, uh, no, I, I, I have a little bit more work to do on this. So that's a, a really good technique. Um, and again, it keeps us from being a little too in the bubble with just our song, because we're obviously going to love our song like we're going to love our baby. There we go again, right? And sometimes when, I, one of my favorite analogies is if you were entering your 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 baby into a beauty pageant, Right. Every parent believes that their baby is the most beautiful baby in the world. Of course you do. It's your baby. But when you put it up against all these other babies and all of a sudden you have a very objective, fair-minded judges, you know, you have to know where does my baby really stack up? You know, not that you need to replace your baby or change your baby. I would, I would discourage you from doing that. But uh, we need to be at least realistic about where are our songs 
um, compared to others who are doing it well in a particular genre. So, um, so, and again, feel free to put in the extra effort, right? Um, it's, it's, I, I guess the, the term that we always used at the label was wait for great, right? You could have something that was good. You could have something that was good enough, but you know what? Move the release date back, change your timeline, put the extra work into it and wait for something great. So you don't need to always ditch the song. Sometimes it's just a matter of production. Sometimes, you know, adding a little flair and razzle dazzle here and there kind of helps, you know, a few more elements in production, a few edits here and there. Um, so yeah, you don't need to throw out the song, but if there's more work to be done on it, do that work because it's worth, um, it's worth it. Wait for great. So yeah. Um, any, any comments about that section, Eric, before we hit this last one? Nope. All right. All right. Lastly, uh, don't ignore production. Um, this is where it can get expensive. Um, and, but I, at the same time, I think if you can find somebody that can do it well, um, then it's worth the money. Um, in my comments here, I know raw and real uh, can be good qualities in a song, but if you want it to sound like you cared enough to, you want it to sound like you uh, cared enough to invest the time, money, and energy into your song, right? So if you're doing it at home on your computer, there are some people that do it very, very well, and they have all the great equipment to do it and to mix it and to make it sound. But again, when you're getting that objective feedback, if some people are like, eh, I don't, I don't know, you know, it, it sounds a little different or I don't know, it sounds a little flat or whatever don't be afraid to hire out a producer um, or, or somebody else who's qualified in, in mixing. Um, you know, I, I think those people can go a long way in, in helping you. Um, just keep in mind when you do hire a good producer, you do hire a good mixer, something like that, you know, let them do their job. Um, sometimes you'll see where somebody will hire a recording engineer um, or a producer, and then the artist tells them everything that they want them to do. Um, and the engineer is like, okay, well, you're the one paying me, so I guess I have to listen to you. But oftentimes, engineers and mixers, those are the guys that have the really, uh, that are really fair-minded. They hear a number of songs. They have a number of artists coming through there. If they're qualified, you know, let them do their job and, and trust their judgment. Um, so I've, I've seen it one too many times where an artist, because they, they hear the song a certain way, they kind of push their will onto the engineer or onto the producer or onto the mixer. And it, it doesn't really sound great. So uh, find find qualified people. Um, you know, it, again, this might take the means to do it. Um, you know, it's it's not always cheap. Um, but if you if you really believe in a song, maybe it's worth saving up for and, and putting the right amount of investment in it. So yeah, last point there. Don't don't ignore production. So yeah, well, Eric, I, I think I got through that in record time. I think uh, I, I think I could have gone twice as long on that. So oh, maybe great. Yeah, I don't know if there's a feature like when you're watching a webinar to slow it down to like half speed, but maybe that would be better next time, <laughs> you know, if you're listening to it on the playback. No, I think I think it's good pacing. I, I really, all right, all right, good, good. Um, yeah, we have we have about 10 questions that we will get to in right. uh, just a minute. So I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share my screen because I want people to, uh, if, in case you came in late, we have, we're releasing today the music streaming course uh, with with Dave Taylor, our featured guest today uh, here on Writing Worship. So let me uh, let me pull that up. I want everybody to see it. We're super proud of how this turned out, uh, and uh, and I'm going to share the screen so that people can see it. Just give you a quick peek um, uh, onto uh, what this what you're going to get when you sign up for this course. So. Um, 
really it covers everything related to streaming. Uh, and an overview of what's covered, we're going to start with the basics. It's six sessions, six sessions. Starts with the basics of what, is, what are these digital streaming platforms? How do they work? Which ones are the best? How do I get my music on them? Then we dive into the release strategy portion of this, how and when to release your music on streaming platforms. We talk about your secret weapon, managing your artist profile, how to really maximize your artist profile on the various different DSPs, specifically Spotify and, and Apple Music, of course. Um, song tips. We talked a lot about that today. This was our focus today was how to increase your songs chances for success on the streaming platforms. Uh, we talked in the course, you'll, you'll uh, get all the information about pitching your song. This is a big one. Your best chance to tell people about your, your release and then maximizing your streams, identifying, optimizing, maximizing your sources of streams. I know Chidia had a question specifically about, you know, how do I maximize what I've already released? So we're going to definitely talk about that. Um, I see your questions about hiring producers, et cetera. We're going to definitely dive into that in the Q&A section. But just wanted to give you a little bit of an overview of what the course curriculum is all about. It's like I said, it's six sessions. Uh, we dive into each one. It's broken up into smaller videos. Uh, we recorded this live with a select group of people who joined us for the beta version of the recording. Uh, that was super fun because we had kind of a live audience and then a, a, each section has a Q&A. Every two uh, sessions, there's a Q&A uh, with you and me, Dave, where we dive into anything we might have missed or left out related to that. And those are also really, really helpful. Um, we have, like I said, six sessions. So uh, there's plenty of content all broken up into small, small nuggets bits and pieces. Um, all of our courses, when you buy them, you never lose access to them. Um, you have access forever. Um, we are going to have, I'll tell you, we have a self-guided version of the course and Dave is making himself available just at launch. I know one of the questions we had was, do you offer one-on-one -on -one coaching coaching to accompany the course. Daniel asked that early on. Well, Daniel will tell you that yes, Dave is not quite one-on-one -on -one related to the course uh, today is what we're gonna talk about, but it's a group coaching mentorship style to go along with the course. So you'll be able to walk through the course with Dave um, in a small group uh, kind of environment, uh, all six sessions. Dave, anything you wanna add about that? No, no, I, uh, it's, it's really great. I, I, you know, to be really honest, I, I do have a number of, of, um, one-on-one -on -one consulting clients right now, but I am, I am booked. I am maxed out. Um, so what I wanted to do is I wanted to make sure that I had this mentorship program so that everybody could be getting the same benefit of like a, a one-on-one -on -one consulting, um, but without the, the hefty price tag. Uh, that comes with with the month to month, uh, week to week consulting that I do. So, so my goal is to give those within the mentorship program just as much value as I'm giving to like one on one clients. And we're going to have a lot of dialogue. There's, we'll talk about specific situations, specific releases. You know, how do I handle this strategy? You know, with the goal of of learning um, not only from me but from everybody else within the mentorship. So. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I, I I don't know if it really came out here, but I'm I'm somewhat lighthearted and um, I like to joke around a lot. 
Um, but I also like to teach. So, so it does, it won't feel like, uh, it won't feel heavy. It'll feel like a really good conversation among friends. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the pricing on this is this, uh, so it's a $197, uh, for our launch up through Sunday, you can use the code Dave 25, Dave 25 to get the 25% off. So it's going to be like 147 us dollars. Um, when you get the when you purchase at that price, so that's self guided. Take it on your own. Twenty five percent discount. Um, we're not offering a discount on the mentorship because I, honestly, it's such a high value, um, and so we're offering that at two ninety seven. That's the course plus the mentorship, and that's going to run August tenth, Tuesday nights. I think is when you said yes. you're going to be available Tuesdays. Those will be recorded. You, you'll be sent those recordings um, as well, uh, but that's Tuesday, four weeks, Tuesday, Tuesday nights, 7.30, um, August 10th through the 31st. Um, that's uh, just this one time we're going to offer this mentorship for folks, um, which I'm super excited that you're able to do that, David. Uh, absolutely. And you can ask Holly Salazar, who does our song administration course. The mentorship is is so so helpful because people can ask their questions uh, right on, you know, in the time that they really are needing it. It's not for everybody. So the course self-guided is there. It's available for you. You basically, you get the course for life, but the mentorship is really uh, helpful and valuable. Uh, so uh, let's see here. Let's see if there's anything else related to this. So yeah, so that's the music streaming course. Don't forget to use Dave 25 for that 25% off. Anything else you want to add, Dave, related to this? Uh, I, I thought it was uh, Dave 25 because you were referencing the age I, I appear to be. Right. I, I didn't I didn't make the connection that it was 25% off. So this is a <laughs> real shot to the ego this morning. Yeah, it's with 25 years of experience. 25. That's what it means. 25 years since I graduated high school. How about that? There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, that, I just wanted to kind of give that pitch out for the course. Uh, again, that 25% discount will be available through the Sunday night. So this Sunday night, I think it's July 25th. So that code is good for that. The mentorship, you can purchase the mentorship. Uh, we'll probably try to keep it to about 20 people in there. So we might close the mentorship if it gets to be too many, but um yeah. But definitely take advantage of that self-guided course discount uh, at musicstreamingcourse.com. Um, all right, so now we're going to move into the questions, the Q&A, anything remaining that we didn't get to uh, to before. All right, so why don't I turn that off and let people, uh, why don't I start from the top? Uh, no one ever talks about SoundCloud. What are your thoughts on the effectiveness of this platform. I'll say this. Yeah. Uh, SoundCloud is excellent for sharing music. We use SoundCloud all the time within the writing worship community. It's great for uploading demos, uploading your, your song ideas, your vocal, piano vocal, guitar vocal demos, and sharing it privately with producers or anyone else. It's, it's, it uploads the content and it's a great way to share. Um, do I see it as a great vehicle for promoting your songs further than that? Possibly. I mean, you can upload it to your socials. You can share it that way. But again, it's not technically 
from what I understand, it's not technically going to really help with your streaming numbers. So, Dave, what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think you said it. Like as a as a person to person kind of sharing platform, I think it it works really really well. Um, and again, we did use that like sharing demos and and things like that. But when it comes to music consumption, um, it's such a small percentage. You know, my focus and what you're going to see in the course when when you when you buy the course is that our focus is Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Pandora, and YouTube. Those those five DSPs are going to give you over 95% of your total stream. So that's where I focus. And, and actually, there's there's probably close to 100 DSPs globally. Um, so you can see there's there's tons, and I you know I wish we could cover them all in detail, but I focus on the ones that are going to give you the overwhelming majority of of your streams. And so SoundCloud, in terms of music consumption, is is far enough down there that I don't really dive into that, and, and nor did I ever when I was working at a label. I didn't form an expertise around it either because it was such a small percentage in terms of music consumption. Yeah, good stuff. All right, Shidia had a question. Hi guys, I have a song that's been out for about a month. Streams seem to have peaked. How do I keep my streaming numbers up for my current catalog? And can you help? Yeah, I think there's a, a couple different uh, ways to go about that. And again, Shidia, really good to hear from you. I'm, I'm glad that um, that your song did well and it was getting added to the playlist. I think, uh, you know, what's really tough, and I think a number of people know this about Spotify, but you can't really pitch or promote a song to Spotify after release, right? You get one shot and one shot only. That's when it first releases. And then beyond that, don't bother. Nobody's going to to listen. So um, I think you can chase some more independent playlisters. So if you can find, and, and we dive into this in the course as well, find some some user playlists that have a large following, you know, preferably 10,000 or more. Um, and, and if you do a little bit of detective work, you can actually track down a lot of these guys. You'll see like maybe a playlist created by, um, you know, entertainment, uh, entertaining music incorporated or something like that. And they probably have a website. They probably have a Facebook page. They probably have an Instagram page that accepts song submissions. So do a little bit of detective work. See if you can't find some of these people. I've, I've had artists track down like actual individual users. They just look at the name and they'll go and find them on social media because it's like, oh yeah, this person seems to be the right person and they'll send them a message there. So that's one way to kind of help pump your numbers up a little bit. But you know, overall, your songs are going to kind of have a lifespan. And so sometimes it's kind of important to see like when it's tailing off, it's like, what's what's maybe the next thing? Now, the next thing can be a new song, right? Uh, if you have a new song that you've recorded that you're looking forward to releasing, this is probably the time to do that. And what you can do is if you when you release the new song, um, you can, uh, what do we call it, stack it. Um, you can stack your your uh, your previously released song onto that new single. And again, I'm going to say, see online course for what is stacking or what is pancaking or whatever waterfalling we call it that so yeah you can stack your previous release onto your new release that's a really good method to get more ears on your your previous release as well uh last thing i'll say maybe a good idea is i've had artists that put out a song that that felt like it didn't get a lot of attention so what we did is we made a few clever edits and we released it as what we call uh Parenthetically, we, we put single version. So if the, the name of the song was I Love You, Lord, it would be I Love You, Lord, parentheses, single version. And, you know, when, I, when you do that, make at least 10 seconds of edits. Um, single version typically implies that it's going to be a shorter version, one made for streaming, one made for radio. So you can do clever edits there. Also, if you if you got a little bit of money, 
um, you know, hire, hire some people and do a different version of it. If it was a full band version of it, do an acoustic version of it. Um, and then stack that acoustic version. Um, we're kind of getting in the weeds here, but like if you if you take the mentorship or even if you just watch the course, um, you'll see what I'm talking about with stacking. But I think that that's one of the better ways uh, to get attention on your song. And it doesn't have to be a brand new song. You can do a different version of your previously released song and then stack those with your last version. Yeah. I think, so First, hopefully that gives you some ideas. I know that's a, that's a big question, but hopefully that, that gives you some ideas. No, that's a great example. You can do this on a budget level, especially if you want to do an acoustic yeah. version or something a little bit different or unique with the song. Um, I saw it firsthand. Um, uh, Chrissy was uh, lucky enough uh, to have a song by Torrin Wells called Famous For, uh, which uh, which really you know was a big, I guess, hit in the Christian music industry um, uh, last year. And Torin released like seven different versions of that song. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what they do. And, and it was really great for keeping up the momentum of the song um, right. over that time. So really heavy investment in that um, can really go a long way to keep the yeah. song alive. Well, working at a, a label that did worship music, right? Sometimes we would have a version that was full band. And it's like for a lot of smaller churches, it's like I, we can't do that. So the artist would put out an acoustic version which right. was perfect for small churches and worship leaders who is just them and their acoustic guitar. So yeah, explore different versions and stack those with your, with your original version. Yeah. All right. Jeff says, I realize DSPs are intensely singles focused, but can you comment on releasing singles versus EPs uh, versus albums of material? I, we had this question by several people as well. Yeah. So I'll yeah. make sure that kind of covers everything. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give a very quick answer to that, but just know in the online course, we have an entire session dedicated to release strategy that, that talks about singles um, and, and the benefit of the single uh, strategy. Releasing singles, if, if, if you release a song as a single and then eventually you, you collect them into an album, those songs that you release as singles go much, much farther, right? When Spotify and, and, and well, and I'll say Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Pandora, they only let you pitch one new song per week. So if you release an EP with five songs, but you've only, you're only kind of featuring one, you have four other songs that have no chance of making an editorial playlist. They have no chance of getting their own kind of time in the sun and their attention, right? So if uh, I, I'm sure there's a, a really, really good analogy out there for it, but if you're going to do an EP, let's say a five-track EP, why not single the, the first four songs and then with the fifth song, release the EP and collect all those together, uh, right? I think the, the goal is make sure each one of your songs, uh, if, if you believe in it enough, right? I mean, if you believed in it enough to record it, why wouldn't you believe in it enough to give it its own time and its own chance to be heard, not only by the editor, but but by a number of people. Now, if, if you're an A-list artist um, who has millions of adoring fans already, you can do EPs and albums all day and people will come and consume those in mass. Uh, but if you're like the 99.9% of us who, who are just, you know, releasing music day to day as an independent or developing artist, um, singles are the proven method for building that fan base. You're just, uh, yeah, it, it, there's so many benefits to it. I, I wish I could cover everything that we recovered and we covered in, uh, session two. Um, but yeah, the, the, the benefits are, are really, really much greater releasing singles as opposed to EPs or albums. You can always release the EP or the album later, right? As a collection of all the singles that you release, but 
single out as many as you can leading up to that because those songs will always do much, much better than just a song that gets buried on an EP or an album that never really got pitched directly to an editor. Yeah, good stuff. Really good comments here. Um, Hopefully we answered several people's questions with that related to EPs and albums and, and, um, and singles. All right, Jeff says this, maybe, uh, oh, and I should say this before we finish, we're coming right up at the 1 p.m. Central Standard Time hour. So I want to be, I promised you that we would be done in an hour. Um, And so we're going to be answering questions here for the next probably 10, 15 more minutes. Uh, But don't forget to uh, visit music streaming, uh, musicstreamingcourse.com and consider getting the streaming course Uh, Don't forget to use the code DAVE25 to get a 25% discount off the self-guided version through the end of this week. So through Sunday, the beginning of next week, July 25th will be uh, as long as that will be available. And sign up for the mentorship um, as well if that's something you're even more interested in. So Yeah. And again, that that last question, I wish I had more time to answer it. We we do lay out – I mean, we we take an hour – uh, to, to talk about single strategy and release strategy. So that's all in the course, but I'm, I'm sorry I didn't have more than just a few uh, seconds there to explain or to answer that last question because it deserves a, a bigger answer. No, but that I think Hazeline, uh, if that's how I pronounce your name, she seemed to seem to find that very helpful. So, all right, Jeff's question. Uh, outside of official Spotify playlists uh, and submit hub, I found it's often hard to find how to submit songs to specific curators. We did touch yeah. on this. Any suggestions yeah. on how to access curators? I often have to go treasure hunting. No, it's really <laughs> just that's really what it is. It is a treasure. Yeah, it really is. So Jeff, there's really not more that you can do. Uh, Dave explained, uh, click on who runs that playlist. See if you can find that name. If it's a name of a person, if it's a name of, uh, uh, of, an, of a company or an entity, you can usually do a little bit of a treasure hunt and find who yeah. the playlist. Yeah, you can, if you're willing to put in the time, you can find a number of these people. And I will say, you know, just to get started, go to Spotify, um, go to the search bar, and then type in the, the type of music that, that would describe your music. So, for example, here, worship music, right? You're going to see a number of Spotify editorial playlists, but sprinkled throughout, and, and the more and, and more as you scroll down, you're going to see independent playlists and you'll know because it won't say by Spotify, it won't have the Spotify logo on the cover. You're, you're going to know which ones are independent. Um, and again, to narrow it down, because there could be a, a bunch of them out there, I wouldn't chase any playlist that had less than 5,000 followers. And I would hesitate on some of them that have less than 10,000. But if they have over 10,000, you know, do your, do your work, do your homework. And once you make that connection, you know what? You have that connection for all of your, your future releases. So really all the hard work is just kind of on the front end, identifying them. And it's not going to be a ton. It's, it's not going to be like 50. It's, it's going to be probably closer to 10 to 20 independent playlists that are worth you tracking down and submitting your song to see if they're willing to put it on the playlist. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, all right. Uh, can you talk about distributors a bit? I've heard uh, to be careful with CD Baby, TuneCore, et cetera, that their agreements give them a large cut in the process. Um, yeah, that's a good question. And again, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but we we touch on this a lot in the online course. I think it was the first session out of the box. We talked about distribution. Um, 
I, I can't speak specifically for for each distributor because I know people that like one over another, but all of you know they all seem to have different fee structures. I would say just read read carefully, ask your friends, um, ask other trusted sources uh, who they use. You know, personally, I use DistroKid. I love DistroKid. You know, I do like the the one fee for the year, and then I can distribute as many as I want. Um, and so there's there's no there's no percentage of of the streams that they're getting. It's just the annual fee. But um, I've heard good things about, you know, um, TuneCore and CD Baby as well. I really think it, it matters what you're comfortable with in terms of agreement. I would just, I would just read it carefully and do, do research on as many as possible. There's, there's about four or five that are worth your time, you know, that are really big and, and out there. So, um, yeah, might just, might just require doing a little bit of homework. But I haven't heard that one is necessarily good or one is necessarily bad. It just really depends on what your needs are. Okay, good stuff. And now it's clear. Hazeline is how we pronounce Hazeline. it. Hazeline. All right. Hazeline. I love it. Okay. Uh, another question from uh, an anonymous attendee. If you wrote a song about Jesus, but his name is not mentioned in it, and the lyric lends itself to go either way as a love song or as a Christian song, should you upload it to iTunes or Apple Music in the pop category rather than Christian? Uh, you know, that, you know, that's actually a pretty good question because you will have songs that, you know, have what we call crossover potential, right? There's a number of, of Christian artists who have done that through the years who write songs that are, um, uh, inconspicuous. I, I don't know, you know, they, 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 yeah, it's not, it's not necessarily clear that they're, they're writing about Jesus or, or about God. So, um, just know this, right in the Christian space, it's much smaller space. Um, now the listeners, there's a lot fewer listeners too, but there's a lot less competition in the Christian space than there is when you submit to pop, when you submit to rock, um, that or, or country. You know, there's a number of Christian artists that that kind of cross over to country as well. Very, very difficult. Um, it's it's hard to see. Um, it's hard to see a lot of examples of 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 people going from one of those big mainstream genres and breaking into Christian, you know, I mean, they kind of, you know, Carrie Underwood and people like that do it on occasion. What you're going to see more often than not is people will build their following within the Christian community and then take the music out to the world, hoping to, to influence the world as well. Um, but I would, I would, you know, be cautious heading into a, a genre such as pop, which is going to be by far Spotify's biggest genre. Um, it, they probably have 10 editors working <laughs> in the pop genre and a lot of labels and a lot of big name artists. So, uh, you know, in the end, it's going to be your preference, but I would be careful before you go into pop country rock or a genre where you're going to just be, you're going to have a lot more big label competition coming at you with big production, big names. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mac asked this question, where are places to get feedback that you would recommend without it costing an arm and a leg? So feedback on your songs. Um, well, uh, we have a song critique option at uh, on Writing Worship. Um, and so that's uh, going to be uh, $40 is, is uh, just a very simple thing where you just want to get one song heard and get written feedback. Um, if you'd like to take an hour of someone's time, um, there's several people who are always open to listening to songs. Um, you can share uh, the song on the Writing Worship community and get feedback there, specifically asking for, hey, do you think this is ready for streaming? Um, in our community, we have some great, great feedback there. Um, uh, I'm going to be actually opening up 
something, just a little sneak peek. Um, starting after the writing worship conference, um, I'm going to be leading a, um, a small group uh, of songwriters and artists, and it's going to be a weekly, um, I guess the best way to put it, uh, example of it would be mastermind. We're, I'm not the coach. I'm leading the discussion. We're going to have an hour together every week um, to work through songs, work through any issues you have. I've been doing a lot of coaching, but I'm the only one coaching. I think a lot of us in a community together will do a lot better, um, than just me coaching. Um, I have good experience and a lot of advice, but I'd love to lead a small group, um, uh, because our membership is going to be ending here in August. Uh, and we're going to, uh, kind of, that will evolve and change into a, a small group. So that's another option. Mac, I don't think it'll be an arm and a leg, but it might be an arm. I don't know. <laughs> being, being silly. Not an arm and a leg, just an um, arm. But that's an option as well to get more specific feedback. But Mac, you're an awesome, faithful uh, songwriter and you're continuing to pursue what you're doing. So I would be honored to to work with you. So don't uh, don't be afraid to reach out. Eric at writingworship.co um, is a way to email me. All right. Um, oh, do you have any thoughts on that, Dave? No, no, I was going to say, I, I love what you guys are doing with that. Uh, you know, giving, giving people an opportunity to be critiqued by experienced professionals. Um, I, I think that's a fantastic service and not, not a lot of people do that, at least not that I'm aware of. Um, you know, other than that, uh, again, this kind of goes back to, uh, seeking the objective feedback, you know, go, go outside of your family and friend network, maybe find somebody that likes the kind of music that, that you're writing, that you're recording and, and ask, ask some questions, you know, again, find that, find that really honest acquaintance that, you know, <laughs> yeah, that, but the writing yeah. worship community really exists to do that. We're, we're yeah. going to cheer you on and champion you, but some of, sometimes that involves speaking honest truth as well. I mean, a lot yeah. of what we do is, is, is encouraging primarily, but, um, encouragement sometimes is is good to hear in the form of a, a kind, constructive feedback, you know. Right. All right. Um, Hazeline says this, I'm new to songwriting and co-writing, so I'm learning as I go. You need to be in the mentorship, the worship yes, songwriting. Yes, you do. Hazeline, you need not, not necessarily just in Dave's mentorship, but in the main one for songwriting. You need to be in all the mentorships. Yes, every mentorship. Yeah. <laughs> uh, should I attempt to make my own demos and hire a producer for things that I'd like done well? Do we need a demo? Can this step be omitted? Dave, I have some thoughts. Go ahead. Uh, why, why don't you go first? Because I, I have some thoughts as well, but you, you, this is really, I know this is really your wheelhouse. Okay. Um, you don't need a demo. No. Uh, but what you do need is a clean piano vocal, guitar vocal, you with one other instrument. Uh, singing the song to completion with a full verse, bridge, chorus, uh, pre-chorus, whatever it is, just so we can have an idea, uh, so the producer can have an idea. And then you'd also want to give them some notes as to what you might hear in specific um, uh, parts. You can uh, hire a, a demo uh, maker. We have several in our community, Ryan Hall, Bailey Hager, uh, Rachel Barentine are just a few, but there's there's several others that aren't popping into my head right now. But you're gonna be end up paying about four hundred, five hundred dollars for those demos. Um, 
and um, and those won't be quite ready for master. You know, they won't be mastered, so you can't release those as um, streaming uh, for streaming. If you want a master recording, you're going to be looking at about a thousand dollars for uh, per song minimum. Uh, if you want to hire a professional producer to record your music, if you have that skill, more power to you. But I'd still definitely recommend getting feedback. But no, you don't need a demo in between releasing it to streaming. And um, you can take it from piano vocal, guitar vocal, straight to releasing it as a single, for example. Um, and you don't need a demo in between um, yeah. necessarily. Yeah, you covered it. Okay, cool. Uh, Joey says this, where can we hire producers who are, she says loyal, but I think you meant local. Where can we hire producers who are local? Well, you're in India. So I don't, I, I actually have a connection in India that used to be in the music industry for years and years and years. And I can connect you, Joey, with somebody. Uh, he is in Bangalore and is such a super sweet guy. I used to do international sales and um, super, super sweet person, very talented musician. So I'd be happy offline to share that person with you. Um, but uh, you can do so much now, Joey, um, virtually. So it's not difficult to work with producers. I know several producers who work with people in Latin America who produce out Spanish-speaking records. They utilize maybe a studio. If you want to record the vocals uh, in your local area, you can work with a studio and prepare the vocals. We sent things can be emailed, sent via uh, the internet, and uh, a lot of it can be done virtually. So I don't necessarily think you have to be, have to work with a producer locally, especially in today's day and age. And, you know, Ryan Hall uh, is somebody who I love and uh, he can, uh, he has a great heart for missions and international ministry. So he would be a very loyal person. I think you did mean loyal, I guess. So he, I don't know exactly what that means, a loyal producer. Um, but he is such a, he's a, certainly a, has been a loyal friend to me. So if you want to clarify what loyal means to you, happy to go back to that question. Um, Dave, a uh, question here from Chris. What do we need to look for when trying to submit with publishers? And who do we send our songs to other than just distro platforms? I you know, gosh, yeah. I, I, as I say, Eric, in, in terms of publishing, like you're much better suited for that. That That is your your lane there. But yeah, I mean, for me, it's just, it's about the, the retail distributors like DistroKid and, and CD Baby. So I'm not, not familiar with the publishing um, side of it. Okay. Well, if you want to submit your songs to publishers, um, I would encourage you to first start with relationships because these publishers are all run by real people. So it's it's really important to try to make connections with the people behind the publishers. I honestly don't think you need to submit your songs to publishers other than if you want feedback for your songs. I would rather suggest you independently publish your music. We have a course called Song the Song Administration Course songadmincourse.com. Um, I feel like this is a big sales pitch, but it's not really meant to be that way. But that's, we do have a great course to, um, that Holly Salazar runs. Uh, that's all about setting up your own publishing and how to administrate your own music. Um, and you're going to get a lot of value out of that. Um, uh, in terms of making connections with people, I would try to 
um, you know, feel free to email me at eric at writingworship.co. I'm happy to um, send you a couple of sources that um, might be great kind of intermediaries, um, outlets for maybe uh, getting your songs heard by qualified people, publishers. You will have to pay kind of a fee for that, but that's that's an option. It's not something we necessarily do at Writing Worship, but I would encourage you to just start recording your own music, um, putting it on SoundCloud, sharing it with as many people as you can that you think might be connected. Try to focus on building a relationship with a person first before you start pitching and really try to think about how can I serve them? What are some things that the publisher uh, might be needing? Maybe it's um, maybe you're particularly good at production and you're you're excellent at, at recording music and publishers are always looking for new demo producers. And maybe you can uh, produce demos for them or, um, you know, offer any kind of service. If not, come to Nashville to any one of the industry events, begin to start connecting with these people who come and share. They have a heart to teach. I know several people who would be happy to listen to your music and give you feedback and, and begin to help you start the journey. Uh, writing worship is definitely an outlet for that as well. If, if you start to share your songs in the writing worship community on Facebook and people are really responding to it, um, that's another great way to start building connections and sincere relationships. All right. Um, so Tim asked this, I've done the investment with three great production and writing with top artists in the industry, but feel like my projects haven't been as successful as I thought they would have been. Is it too late to market previous releases? What can and should I do to make those releases worth the investment and not just another new single out there? Dave? Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, this is along the same lines of, of Chidia's question, who has a single out and he was like, hey, you know, this is, I want to get more attention on this. Um, so yeah, I, in, in, in fact, I'm working with another artist right now who had the same, again, the same issue where it was like, I have this, these really good songs out here and they got kind of ignored and it's because they didn't really have a good pitching strategy in place. They, 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 they didn't, they didn't have anybody for promotions, whatever. So taking them on as a client, you know, that was my first thing is I said, Hey, this song is really great. Let's, let's give this to a, a person who can remix it. Um, if, if you're all familiar with remix songs, you know, it can kind of take it and give it a, a more danceable, maybe modern feel to it. So we're let, we're getting one of the songs remixed. The other song, there was another song that I thought was probably the strongest song that, that, that she had done. And I said, well, let's, let's edit about 17 seconds out of this instrumental section here and let's re-release it as a single version. So we actually had the opportunity to pitch it right this time because they weren't working with me or anybody else before when they originally did that. So I would say, uh, I think it was Tim that asked the question. Tim, I, I would find find your strongest songs, um, the ones that you really that you believe in, and that that seem to be getting the most traction. And, and you know, based on feedback or or you know, performing it live, how, how it's being uh, how it's being received. You know, take those songs and, and ask yourself: Can I do different versions of these songs? Um, can I do a, a remix of the song? Can I do a live version of the song? Can is, there was a live version here? Can I do a studio version of the song? Can I do an acoustic version of the song? And then do something that we were, we were advising with Chidia, which is called stacking. And in the online course, we talk about this really in depth, but it's a basically when you're releasing a single, you're attaching another single, your previously released single to it. And what that does is when people play the new single, 
Um, and hopefully it's promoted right and it gets on enough playlists that when people are playing that new single, uh, if they don't do anything, it's going to automatically start playing the previously released single because they're in the same product container. I hope that's not too too technical. Uh, but it, it makes more sense when you watch the the online session that we did on um I can't remember which session it was, but it was it's within the online course. It makes a lot more sense. But there are creative ways to get ears back on those songs. Again, doing different versions. Some of the sometimes the best thing you can do if you have a song that you really believe in, that you're like, ah, oh, it just didn't get attention, is doing a new song and putting that previously released song, uh, attaching it to that same release. Um, cause that will get more ears back on it again, but yeah, Spotify and others make it very difficult to, to pitch a song once it's already out there. In fact, they make it impossible uh, unless you're chasing independent playlists and things like that. But yeah, explore the different versions, uh, of songs. And, and maybe, you know, when you watch the online course, I, I think you're going to have a few more ideas because we, we address that specifically. Okay, Joey uh, clarified uh, what loyal means to her. She says uh, someone who doesn't cheat or something like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, everyone in our community that we recommend is, is, is going to be a very honest person and, and um, won't steal your music. Or uh, I think one of the things that I think a lot of independents, and I did too when I was younger and just starting out, I was always so concerned. I, I sent every one of my songs to the copy, U.S. Copyright Office right away, and I spent tons of money copywriting my songs. Honestly, that's one of the, you'll learn in the song admin course, that's one of the last things that that really, in the process that you, you want to do. It, one of the, it's, it really doesn't happen that often. And especially in this digital age, you can prove when you wrote that song, when you recorded that song. So um, I wouldn't be so concerned about that um, uh, in terms of loyalty um, or people stealing your music. Um, we, we, like I mentioned, Brian Hall is just a great, great man who would, who would, uh, who loves, has a heart for international missions, Joey. So as you develop your music, um, Please know there are lots of great, honest, loyal. Yes, people. and I will say uh, not not the people that we recommend, but there are a lot of people who like to prey on independent artists out there. Um, so, so if you do get approached like, "Hey, I can market your song all over the world and to uh, you know to millions of people for you know two thousand dollars, just give that to me and I'll make it happen." If it sounds too good to be true, if it sounds like it's skipping the work. Um, don't, don't do it. There's, there's just an awful lot of people out there who would love to prey on kind of that vulnerability of, of somebody who has, uh, an art that, that they want to get out into the world. So be very cautious, triple and quadruple check, uh, the information. If it, again, yeah. if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah. Ask for references, contact the people <laughs> they've worked with before. Yeah, um, be very mention, discerning. Mention in the community, Hey, this person came up to me and did this. Um, what do you think about that? Let us let us help you with that. We'll try yeah. to be as pure as we can with that. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm pursuing self-production for both financial and self-development. Uh, what would you suggest to connect with successful producers who can give feedback in the stuff I need to learn? Okay. Um, we, we had a webinar in the writing worship community maybe three months ago or so with Rachel Barentine, with Bailey Hager, and with Ryan Hall. Actually, no, Matt Crossan, uh, Ryan couldn't make that, that one. Um, great producers, independent producers, and they would be awesome. Matt Crossan, somebody that comes to mind, 
uh, anonymous. Uh, if you want to reach out to Matt in the writing worship community, he would probably love to give you feedback and see if see if you might you might want to work with him to help you specifically with your with your production questions, etc. Um, we still yet do not have a course related to that topic, but maybe we will one day. Uh, but Ryan, Matt, uh, Rachel, Barentine would be the three people that I would approach and say, hey, would you mind giving me some feedback? They'd probably love to help you. Okay, last two questions that I see. When distributing a song to YouTube, I've noticed that it sometimes posts a song to a generic YouTube channel. In your experience, how would you go about getting the distributor to post it to your YouTube channel specifically? Can you comment on that? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember what... Uh... I don't know if we, yeah, that's, that's an issue that I never had to deal with um, in the past. Cause it always, we, we had uh, not to get into the weeds on this, but we had label distributors and they would, they would obviously make sure it went to the right channel. I'm not familiar with how other distributors where they decide to send it. Um, Eric, do you have any experience with this with like uh, Chrissy's songs or others? Uh, if it's a reputable distributor like DistroKid, um, and you release a song, it's, it, will show up on the appropriate channels. Yeah, it should. Uh, and I've worked with a distributor myself. Um, I've used DistroKid. I've used TuneCore. Um, they all tend to be very reputable. CD Baby, um, they tend to, to, they have different business models, but they they all get it on the right channel. If uh, You might be talking about... Um, uh, what I think what you're saying is it releases to YouTube in general as a single with the, with the album. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm you sorry. It just no, kind of came to me. You can release that same exact video or make your own video and put it on your YouTube channel. That's what I would suggest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that made sense too. Cause I was like, why would they be putting like a lyric video? But you're talking about like the generic, we call them uh, static videos or pseudo videos where it would just be like your single cover with the song playing. And that's good that they do that to get it out there. But when it comes to YouTube, I would always, you know, make sure you do your own distribution to your own YouTube channel. Um, they're going to do that um, just as an automatic and it doesn't hurt to have that out there. Um, but yeah, I would do the same thing, you know, release a lyric video or whatever you have to do. It, it really only has to be a, a video of your album cover and your audio on there. But it's important to do that when you release your song. I think it's important to get it up on YouTube as soon as possible. Yeah, um, just answering a question here. Um, but the, I do have some people commenting on this. It sends it to a YouTube channel with your artist name, uh, Emily Ruth. Don't think this can be changed. No, it, it really can't, Emily. Good question. Um, this happens automatically, I believe. I submit through DistroKid and it shows up on a generic YouTube channel. There's really nothing you can do about that. But so I would just release your own lyric video that you own and control on YouTube. Yeah. And also look at DistroKid. They might have an opt out on that. Um, they do. They do actually. Yeah. So I think you should be able to opt out from having, if, if it really bothers you that it goes out there and that it's there. Um, I think a lot of artists aren't troubled by it because they're like, hey, it's it's great that my song is out there and I don't have anything prepared to send out myself. But if you're prepared to do it yourself, I think you can opt out through DistroKid. I think it's just a, a checkbox there, whether you want them to send it to YouTube or not. Yeah. All right. Last question here. 
David says, are there different strategies to use if you are writing music that is a bit different, such as mixing in 3D instead of stereo? Oh, wow. Uh, I'm not familiar with mixing in 3D, but I will say as a general point, uh, the more different, the better. Um, I, I think one of Spotify's greatest strengths is that people, it's, it's, a, it's a platform for music exploration, right? People are going there to find something new, something different, something unique. Uh, YouTube thrives on that as well. You're going to find with some of the platforms like, like Apple and Amazon, they're going to they're gonna drift towards the familiar to the already known artist, to the already known song. But really Spotify and, and YouTube, man, there's such a large audience out there. No matter how different it is, you're gonna find somebody, right? Somebody out there is gonna absolutely love it. So try different new and interesting things. Anything that helps us stick out on a platform is, is good. And that's, that's my opinion. There are specific platforms for those those music heads, you know, those those oh, yeah. those guys that real that have and I can't remember the name for it. I want it's not analog, but it's it's a similar it's a type of community with a smaller niche of fans who really enjoy music. Um and, and there's a community for everyone out there. There's a there's a um a platform for for everyone out there. I know that um I worked with a classical label called Naxos, and they release music to those types of platforms all the time. Um, and if you want to email me at eric at writingworship.co, I'll see if I can send you a few of those platforms that really cover your, your kind of niche of 3D um, music. Uh, I think I know what you're talking about. I have those classical type people who who love to, who just have, I guess they're called audiophiles, right? Um, and actually those kind of things can be really, really um, great because I think if you can, you maybe maybe your music will do okay on the, the top five platforms, but maybe you're like a, a top, you can put all your 80% of your energy on the niche audiophile um, streaming service that that really serves the customer who loves that audiophile type music, for example, um, and uh, and really do well with with that kind of community, that streaming service. Look, take advantage of that if you're if you're real specific and niched and want to niche down. I think it's really smart to maybe um, be well known in that community. And, and serve that audience. That's a wonderful opportunity. I don't know of a specific music niche or platform for the jazz instrumental music category. I, nothing comes to mind right now, but um, again, uh, probably you could do some research um, by Google searching and see if there are specific jazz platforms um, or, or asking some forums or, or um, some kind of uh, uh, boards or forums, you know, asking or in some community groups like a Facebook, look on Facebook and see if there are some groups uh, for jazz aficionados or jazz instrumental lovers. And, and just ask that question. Hey, are there any platforms specific for that genre? Yeah. And lastly, I'll just say if country rap can have a, a genre, anybody can have a genre. OK, Italian rap. Italian rap is huge. German rap. I, I ask. Uh, I ask uh, Google to play play German rap for us, and it's like boom, they are playing German rap for us in our house. Yes. And 
I'm I speak German, so it's, does, does it does it sound as terrifying as I think it sounds? It's actually very sweet and, and <laughs> sorry, sorry. Okay, all right. Not making fun of you my just German offended friend. every German. No, no, I know, I know, I know. I just alienated every single German on the call. <laughs> uh, my ancestors are from Germany or something like that. Sure. Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, uh, we need to wrap it up. This has been great. We, we went an hour and a half answering questions. Uh, I think we did the best we could. Thank you for your graciousness. For those that have stuck around, most of you have stuck around. This has been great. I will send the recording of this to everyone who is registered. Again, musicstreamingcourse.com. Take advantage of that um, 25% Dave 25 discount. Um, thank you guys for your comments, Glenn, uh, what you just said there in the chat. Uh, appreciate you so much. Connect with yeah. me, connect with Dave and the writing worship community. We're here to serve you and so excited that we've launched this course and yes. we're able to help it's, you. Guys. Oh, months and months of work. So it feels really, really good. And Eric, thanks again for having me and thanks everybody for joining. Um, I, I love teaching and training and I, I hope everybody got a lot out of this. Um, yeah. I did. So I hope everybody else did as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, take care, everybody. We'll see you. Um, on the flip side, in the writing worship community. Take care. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to learn more about resources available for songwriters, men and women, go to writingworship.co. Follow us at Writing Worship on Instagram and join our active community on Facebook, the Writing Worship Community. The times I've grown most as a songwriter are the times I've had mentors showing me the way. If you're looking to grow as a songwriter, we're now accepting applications for our Worship Songwriter Mentorship. Now, it's available only a few times each year. The Worship Songwriter Mentorship is a songwriting intensive that will help you craft impactful worship songs. It's a course created by Dove Award-winning and Grammy-nominated, drumroll here please, (laughs) our founder, pro songwriter Chrissy Nordoff. It's a small group community, and it's led by other songwriters over the course of nine weeks. It's an intensive course and a small group co-writing environment, and that means you'll be added to a special group of about 12 writers, give or take. Each group is led by experienced songwriters, some of them my dear, dear friends, and I've even gotten to lead a group or two. Rachel here, by the way. We love the church, and we love to champion fellow worship songwriters just like yourself. In this mentorship, you'll learn how to write songs for you and your congregation, You'll go deeper in your intimacy with Jesus. You'll get the tools needed to help craft songs more easily and never run out of creative ideas. Okay, I know it sounds too good to be true, but trust me, this course is a game changer. You'll learn how to leverage your unique songwriting personality and connect with other like-minded writers in a meaningful way. Truly, I can't think of another course, group of people, community that has impacted my songwriting the way that this mentorship has. If you're wanting to take the next steps in your songwriting journey, then apply now at the link in our show notes. We hope to see you there.